The following audio is from Downtown Church, a kingdom-focused, gospel-centered, multi-ethnic, multi-class ministry in Memphis, Tennessee. For more information, please visit downtownchurch.com. All right, let's go now uh, to God's Word, and uh, let's see what He might say to us this morning. God, we thank You for this church family. We thank You, Father, that... Um, that we can worship you, that we can laugh together, that we can laugh at each other. Um, God, we thank you that uh, that you're a God that has made us one through your Son, Lord Jesus. We thank you for bringing down the dividing wall of hostility. We thank you that, indeed, all of us are sinners and have fall short of your glory every minute of every day, and yet all of us in Christ Jesus are justified. So we're family. God, I pray this morning that you would send your spirit to open our hearts, to help us to go deeper in this reality um, of being peacemakers. Um, God, I pray that we would understand that that's how we will be known as your sons and daughters. Father, you know, um, if I didn't confess my sin now, what a hypocrite I would be. Um, Lord, there are still people, even though I wrestle with this all week, longer than that, uh, that I need to call, that I need to get in front of. Um, help me to do that. And Lord, I know that this will hit home with many in this room. And we need it to hit home because this is where your gospel spills out, um, that we might truly be peacemaking men and women, boys and girls. So come, Holy Spirit, do your work. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. October 2nd, 2006, um, a local milk delivery man in a little Amish community in Pennsylvania went into the one-room schoolhouse of that neighborhood or that community, lined 10 girls, 10 young girls between the ages of 6 and 13 against the chalkboard, dismissed everybody else out of the building, and he would eventually shoot all ten, killing five. Two of the girls' sisters, before he did that, stepped out of the line and said, shoot us first. And Charles Roberts did. Within hours of the event, a grandfather of one of the slain girls went to the home of Charles Roberts' now widow, Maria Roberts, and the home of their three girls, at which was gathered the parents of Charles Roberts and the parents of Maria Roberts. And this grandfather began to extend forgiveness and love to Maria, her children, and those parents. Thirty Amish men and women attended the funeral of Charles Roberts. One of the families of one of the slain girls invited Maria and her family to the funeral of their slain daughter. And that Amish community started a fund to take care of Maria and her children. Blessed are the peacemakers For they shall be called the sons and daughters, the children of God. 
Friends, there is nothing that more, there is nothing that more illustrates the reality of being sons and daughters of God any more than peacemaking. There is nothing that we can be about. This self-sacrificing love. There's nothing more than we can be about than making peace with those that have hurt us. Making peace with our enemies. Notice, it's not just peacekeeping. It's not drawing borders and saying, I refuse to come across and assault you. But it's saying, there are no borders. If you try to build them, I'm going to come across because I am, I'm about making peace, not keeping peace. And he comes right to our front door this morning, the Lord Jesus does, right to downtown church. And he says, church, it is not enough just to be in the same room together. It is not enough to be a woke white person. It's not enough to be a black person who comes to a predominantly white church. It's not enough just to be together, but you have to follow the Lord Jesus Christ and His lead and make peace and become brothers and sisters. Operate, not according to cultural loyalty, race loyalty, socioeconomic loyalty, whatever it is, but you must break down the walls literally and love each other, make peace with each other, especially with those that are the hardest to do so with. Because that's how people are going to know that you are my children, the children of God. So says Jesus. Do we have work to do? Oh my. Let's go. I think the first thing that we need to begin to understand is that God is the peacemaker and his peacemaking is fueled by his love. It's by his love. You see, the the psalmist says in Psalm 103.8 that God is flourishing. He is abounding in steadfast love. Why? Because 1 John 4.8 says he is love. And so he is abounding in love because he is love because there's no better explanation of who God is than to say that he is love. And yet the fall came, we became his enemies, and what did he do? He didn't lay down his love. Romans 5.8, God shows his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Oh God, you mean you're calling me to peacemaking in a fallen world? Hey, peacemaking in Eden would have been easy. Yes, of course. He's calling us to peacemake right here. Because that is what he is all about it is your narrative. It is your story. It's not the one we live out of, but it is the, the narrative. It's the story of the gospel. Listen carefully to Romans chapter 5. I have a lot of scripture this morning, but I'm not apologizing for that. Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows His love for you and me. In that while we were still sinners, Christ 
died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by His blood. Get that imagery. It's the spilling of His own blood. It's the sister stepping out saying, take me first. Justified by His blood, much more shall we be saved by Him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by His life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Dear friends, the gospel is your story. You were enemies. I was an enemy of God. There was a huge wall, a huge divine between the holy of holy and us. And God broke down that wall by sending His own Son to live and die and rise for His enemies. That is our narrative. God makes peace with you and me. Because God is love. Love is the most powerful, therefore, motivator and changer in the world. Love changes everything. Not self-protection. Not revenge. Not anger. Not debates on Facebook. Love. Love changes everything. Do you want to impact your neighbor? Do you want to impact your enemy? It's not going to happen at the ballot box. Although, vote. Hear me? Before somebody emails me. (laughs) Vote. But dear friends, that is not why Jesus died and rose again that we might vote. Jesus died and rose again that we might live and love, live for and love our enemy. Because that is how His kingdom is manifest in this world. That's it. Because God is love. There is nothing that makes us look more like the Father than peacemaking. But number two, you and I, products of God's peacemaking mission. That's what we are. God made peace with us by sending His Son to live, die, and rise. You and I, products of God's peacemaking mission, are redeemed to make peace. This is what we were redeemed for. To make peace. And I just don't think we believe that in the church. What shocks me about the Amish response, it's actually a book called The Amish Response, um, is not just the fact that the grandfather forgave and not just the fact that these girls, you know, but the immediacy. Do you understand there was conditioning for that to happen? There was training for that to happen. How did those girls automatically know to step forth? Because they have seen it. That's what they've been taught. That's what, that's what their whole lives are about. They have been formed not to defend themselves. But they have been formed to love, yes, even their enemy. The Lancaster County News um, reported this. They said, in the midst of their grief, the Amish community, over the shocking loss... The Amish community didn't cast blame, they didn't point fingers, they didn't hold a press conference with attorneys at their sides. Instead, they reached out with grace and compassion toward the killer's family. 
The Amish culture closely follows the teachings of Jesus, who taught his followers to forgive one another, to place the needs of others before themselves, and to rest in the knowledge that God is still in control and can bring good out of any situation. Sounds very reformed to me. I don't know about you. Love and compassion toward others is to be life's theme. Vengeance and revenge is to be left to God. Wow. Is that what our children are getting from us? Is that what we are about? Are we, would the world know that, that we love God because of how effective and, and just doggedly committed we are to make peace when we're offended? Oh, man. I mean, we see it in the greatest movements. We see it in Dr. King's life. And we saw the world. We saw others. It's so hard. It's so counterintuitive. It's, it's so against everything that we are. To give ourselves. We're the ones being, we're the ones being put down. And Jesus says, right. Right. And you were putting me down. And I laid my life down. That I might raise it up. Do you see that? Do you hear that? Do you get that? Most don't. I love the encounter of John 8. Jesus is telling a Jew, Jewish crowd that... <laughs> I mean, Jesus did not pull punches. I mean, he goes to this Jewish crowd. He said, hey, your father is not Abraham. It's the devil. Now, if you want to pick a fight, if you want to, you know, uh, you're like, Jesus, this is peacemaking. And actually it was. Um, Peacemaking is not the avoidance of conflict. It's all about the motivation of the conflict. Peacekeepers avoid conflict. Peacemakers walk into it with an unabandoned willingness to be in conflict. And so Jesus tells them this. He said, if God were your father, you would love me. That's the mark. Anybody that's a Christian, you would love me. For I came from God and I'm here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. To be a child of God is to love Jesus, God's son. Why? Because we were created to love. Love is the nature of God and it's our new nature as born again people. Now, it's interesting. If if you read this text, uh, the John 8 passage, it, it might throw you off because the passage begins with these words. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him. What? Jesus is confronting Jewish people. That said they believed in him. And he's telling them, no you don't. But how do you know that you don't? How is he trying to expose and open their hearts to the fact that they don't really believe in him? There's no love for Jesus. You see friends, James points this out. I think it was James that that said, hey, you believe? Good, so does the devil. The devil knows that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, the Savior of the world. The devil knows his theology, but he doesn't love Jesus. You see, to love Jesus is to be about his glory, not your own. 
To, to love someone or something. It, it's the very reason that, that you're walking around with your favorite football team or basketball team's logo on your hat and your shirt. You're reflecting the glory of that which you love. Well, you can't say you love Jesus if you're unwilling to make peace with your neighbor and those that have offended you. Because Jesus is all about it. One who does not love is not about God's glory, but his own glory. Listen to this passage. Jesus goes on, he says, you're of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Are you about your glory? Or are you about the glory of God? See, the reason that there's schisms in the church, the reason that we have enemies, the reason that we distance ourselves from others, that we can be in the same room but not even acknowledge one another, the reason we can play this games is laid out in James 4. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and you quarrel. So peacemakers are blessed, or rather peacemakers flourish because they bring the life of the kingdom to this world. Are you following me? We flourish because we are literally bringing the kingdom of God to this world. We're letting others experience what it's like in the kingdom of God. We're not about getting you to respect me. We're not about getting you to applaud me. We are about getting you to bow your knee to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We're about demonstrating that we are nothing and He is everything. Is that what you're about? Dear friends, this is what peacemaking is. It's saying... I'm going to put my ego away. Because there's nothing in me worthy to be bowed down down to or respected or have a credit or at the end of a movie. No. Peacemakers are blessed. We flourish because we're bringing the life of the kingdom to this world. Because we are literally allowing others to taste of God. It's not us, it's God. I think that's what James is getting at as well in James 4. If you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, don't boast and be false to the truth. Don't say you're of God if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition. This is not the wisdom that comes from down from above. This is not what brings the kingdom down is what he's saying. But it's earthly, it's unspiritual. Listen to this. It's demonic. <laughs> oh, why don't people respect the church? Why aren't people coming to Jesus? Because we are more about our father, the devil, because we're so much more about us and our agenda than we are about God and his glory. It's demonic. It's unspiritual to allow conflict just to sit out there. Demonic. It's demonic. Racism is demonic. Prejudice is demonic. 
why it is so, so important that we love each other because it brings the kingdom down. Oh, I'm, I'm so, I can't even finish the text here. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above. It's earthly and spiritual and demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure. Heard about that last week. Sounds like the, the, the Beatitudes, doesn't it? First pure, then peaceable. Wow. Gentle. Open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And listen to this. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. What does that mean? It means when I lay down my ego, when I lay down my rights, when I lay down me trying to be right and proven right, and I love my enemy, and I serve my enemy... If, if they come over, if we become friends, if we become brothers and sisters, it produces a harvest of righteousness. Because that is the king. Now, if I stay over here and I say, this is my stand and you, I'm waiting on you, that is a harvest of evil. Because all I'm doing is standing in my own little universe saying, bow down to me, bow down to me, bow down to me. But a harvest of righteousness, a community of righteousness. Everybody else is fighting and bickering. Everybody else is criticizing and complaining. But we are objects of peace because we are loving not just those who love us, but we are loving our enemy. And if we can win them... Ah, the kingdom light of glory will come down. They can be welcomed into the life of God. Just as we have been welcomed into the life of God. So how do we do this? That's how I want to spend the next few minutes. How do we do this? I have some practical steps for us to be about. And and, and let me just say this. Um, let me ramble for just a minute, and then I'm going to give you several little steps of, of, cause I, I, I really want you to identify people that you need to make peace with. And if you don't have anybody that comes to mind, I promise you it's not because they don't exist. It's because you're like, mm, no, mm, no, 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 no. Um, yeah. Okay. First of all, in, in my study on the Amish community, I was fascinated to see. I mean, you know, it's, it's so it, it's it's dangerous sometimes to just kind of take one illustration and put it out there and everybody go, oh, we need to be like the Amish. Well, we do. We do need to be like the Amish in that way. Uh, they, they got that right. Uh, I don't know about the funny hats and the beards and all that, but they got that right. No doubt. But it wasn't easy. Uh, I saw um, it's actually the owner of or, or the, the, the one who started one of those pretzel places in the mall, Annie Ann's. Yeah, they're, they're the ones that uh, the, the, the husband of 
Ann, I guess, Annie Ann, uh, wanted to go to counseling school, but he couldn't afford it. So, but their family kind of went around all these little markets or, you know, whatever, flea markets or festivals or whatever, selling these little pretzels. Well, they took it nationwide and that allowed him to go to counseling school and, and now he counsels in the Amish community. And he talked about, this is fascinating, we don't have time to go into it, but he talked about the trauma and, and how, you know, when they heard, when, when, you know, young boys and even adults heard helicopters going over, they would immediately, it was PTSD because it was so traumatic what happened to them. And, um, anyway, so, um, you know, all, all that to say is making peace, even for the believer, is never just automatic. And that's why it glorifies God so much. You see, to glorify God, you've got to do what's unnatural. I mean, if we just do what's natural, if we just follow our heart, that's of the devil. Because our heart is wicked in and of itself. But if we, if we display love and forgiveness and peacemaking, people know, hey, that's, that's something divine. I mean, just the illustration itself. That's why I used it at the beginning. Everybody was like, whoa. It's, I can't fathom. If somebody killed one of my daughter, all of my... I can't even fathom. It would have to be God coming down. Because that is not going to be my natural reaction. I promise you. See, that's it. But we need help. And I love that the Amish community said, bring the counselors in, man. We're, we're dying here. We're trying to love and doing better than most. But we're still dying, okay? And also, I love Romans 12:18. So here's what I'm trying to to warn against. I don't want to give these five or six steps and then make it look like, okay, now go do it, and we're going to be peacemaker. This is work. This is tough. This is impossible. You've got to cry out to God. We are not going to go out of here and take these five or six little steps I'll give you in a minute. Go, oh, good. I'm glad he gave us some takeaway. Now we can go do it. No, this is life, this is death to self and life to your enemies. It's not going to happen unless God's spirit falls down on it. It's not going to be because of my little steps. I promise you that. So, and, and the, the scriptures prove this. Romans 12, 18. If possible, as far as it depends on you, <laughs> live at peace with everyone. I love Paul's reality. If possible, as far as it depends on Folks. You can't take the responsibility for every... People are, people are going to hate us. It doesn't matter how much you like. You might die being a peacemaker. You get that? But as far as it depends on you, if possible, don't let other people's reactions define... You love, but don't think this is a formula that says, Oh, everybody's going to love me if I lay down my life. No, they're going to hate you. And that's why next week's sermon is on persecution. Um, but we're called to it, Matthew five twenty three. Man, I told you a lot of scripture. We could just we could be here all morning. I mean, because this is the the reality of the gospel. The fruit of the gospel is love. Therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, not you have something against them. They have something against you. Leave your gift there before the altar. First, uh, go and be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift. It's important. All right, so five or six takeaways. Number one, will that person in your heart and mind 
Look at your heart before confronting another's heart. This is, I mean, really we could have one step. I can't tell you, I use this in premarital counseling, I use it in communication, talking about communication, talking about everything. I've told you before, I had a, yeah, there is power in this. Matthew 7, 1 through 5, there is power. Judge not that you be not judged. Well, you don't know what they did to me. Okay, judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that's in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when there is the log in your own eye? When there is the log. I thought I always said a log. Um, You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Now what this is saying is there is never a moment, no matter how badly you've been wronged, no matter how extreme, no matter, there is never an instance which that clears the way for you to focus on the sin and the offense of, a, of another towards you without looking at your own heart. There's always a log that you've got to crawl over. And unfortunately, uh, God gave me a very relevant illustration this week. Um, I went to a conference on multi I went to a conference on church planting, and those that started the conference um, or, or ran the conference, in my probably very sinful and biased opinion, did not address it all, and in fact completely ignored the reality of a multi-ethnic church planting presence. And what did Richard do? Well, Richard, while writing this sermon was sitting there listening, boiling as three-hour seminar on how to raise money, not even, you know, talking about, well, the first is to work your network. There are African-Americans in that room, there are Latinos in that room that have no network. There is no resource network. It was completely irrelevant, and I'm getting mad right now. Peacemaker, peacemaker, peacemaker. Well, so many more seminars and classes. and So I organized a dinner with the African-Americans, Latinos that were there to try to salvage this in my own mind, to give a time and an opportunity for us to get together and talk about issues, not bash the conference, but talk about issues that were relevant and pertinent to multi-ethnic church planning. Um, and so it went incredible. Uh, it went incredible. There were 20 people there. It was, I mean, it, this is a movement happening. I mean, five years ago, there were two African Americans in the whole APC, and now I'm sitting in a room of 20, and I'm, I'm so excited. I mean, this is what we've been given our, our lives to the last 10 and a half years. And well, so anyway, I go to another seminar that morning. We've got to get Michael Davis. Uh, we were in Colorado Springs. Had to get Michael Davis to Denver at the airport at 10:30. But I went to the first seminar because my wife told me. Um, don't withdraw, don't act arrogant, participate. Thank you, honey. And uh, her voice, she knows me. Yeah, yeah, thank the first lady. I'm like, all right, all right, I'm going to go. I'm going to keep, I'm going to be a team player. I went, and it was probably the worst session 
And I got so mad, and I, but I, I could leave early because I had to get Michael Davis to the airport. And, um, and on the way out, uh, a church planner stopped me and said, Man, I just got to say, it really upset me that all the minorities went to dinner last night. And I said, oh, brother, man, I can't tell you how much I love you right now. I said, you know what I hate? I hate that the minorities had to go to dinner last night to find something relevant to them. And I blew it. I blew it. In fact, I had to crawl over the mountain of my own self-righteousness to say what I said. I mean, my sin was so much worse. He was just ignorant. He's never, he doesn't live, he's completely ignorant of the issues. Oh, but I'm aware, I knew exactly, I did exactly what my heart told me to do. I totally killed him, I murdered him, I assaulted him. And my sin is ten times infinitely worse than what he said to me. And I, I, beyond that, if I had just loved him in that moment, I could have helped him. I could have said, man, let's sit down. Or, or, you know, I'm on the way to the airport, but let me call you. Let's talk for it. I could have tried to win my brother, but I killed him instead. Because I didn't look at the log in my own eye before I dealt with the speck. And he got a speck. That's the whole point. It's not look at the log and just keep. It's look at the log so that you can love. So that you can enter the conflict. So, do that. I didn't. (laughs) Number two, mount a love offensive, not a smear campaign. The battle for peacemaking is a battle for God's glory above one's own glory. It's a desire to see God's kingdom come and His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not for your kingdom to be done, your reputation to be extended beyond all borders of creation, but His. Paul deals with this in the church in Galatia. There was a, um, you know, there were Jewish believers coming to faith in Jesus, but Jews and Gentiles, they, you know, non-Jews, they never did life together. Well, now they were doing life together, and in the Old Testament law, I mean, you know, to be, um, to be pure, they couldn't be around. They couldn't like touch, have Gentiles touching them, or they'd be unclean and go into, you know, offer sacrifice and so forth. But um, now they're supposed to be brothers and sisters in Christ, and so uh, it was just hard. It was reconciliation, man. It was coming together as one in through the body and blood of Jesus. But uh, so um, there was this issue of circumcision. The Jews, were, of course, were all circumcised. They were at eight days, all the men at least, and yet the the Gentiles coming in had not been circumcised, and so. It was just impossible in their minds, these Jewish Christians, that that these guys could be clean. And uh, it, it, it um, caused a huge, huge fracture in the church. And Paul says this in Galatians 5, 14 through 15. The whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbors yourself. Peacemaking. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you're not consumed by one another. This is Christian cannibalism. They are literally biting into vow. They were criticizing each other and killing the glory of God. And so in Galatians 5, 6, Paul says this, For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision accounts for anything, but only faith working through love. 
You see, it's not the, the issue of circumcision or uncircumcision. It's the issue of, are you going to put down your rightness and love each other? Mount a love offensive, not a smear campaign. You know, brother, tell me why you think I need to be circumcised. Okay, brother, tell me why you think you shouldn't be circumcised. That's how it happens. Number three, win the person, not the argument. We have been declared righteous in Christ Jesus. Do you all understand that? I think that is the most overlooked reality of the gospel. Yes, we get forgiveness, kind of. But we don't get imputed righteousness. Literally, Jesus obeyed the law in my place so that the Father can view me right now as righteous. He's dancing over me even though I slayed and killed a brother in Christ this week. And I wish that was the only sin I committed this week. That's really just kind of the tip of the iceberg. Um, And yet Jesus is, the Father is dancing over Richard Reeves right now. Why? Because I am clothed in the righteousness of Christ. You know what that does? It humbles the... The snot out of me. (laughs) But it empowers me to come and to be able to confess my sin before you. And, yes, I'm going to have to call him. There's another stater I'd get in his face. And I've got a lot of repenting to do. But why can't I do it if I end up doing it? Pray that I will. I believe I will. Because I'm already right in Christ. I already have a righteousness. I don't have to be right. I don't have to look good. Because I'm already right in Christ. And so when the person, not the argument, don't make the issue the issue. The issue is I've got to love my brother. I've got to love my sister. That is the issue. Um... You know, Matthew 5, for if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You therefore must be perfect. Your heavenly Father is perfect. Wow. Fourthly, deal openly with differences and offenses without judging attitudes. You know, it's interesting, the guy that confronted me said, you know, I know I'm being passive aggressive. And he was. But I was so much more. Deal openly with differences and offenses without judging your, man, I don't like your attitude. Well, deal with the issue. Five, ask questions and listen to answers rather than accusing. So why did it bother you that we were all gone last night? And six, reject gossip and assumptions and go directly to the person or people. To be Christian is to be a peacemaker. Because, dear friends, that's what Christ has done for you and me. He has made peace with you. You were his enemy. And he laid his life down that you might be his. Dear friends... May we be known as a community that lays down our rights, that lays down our opinions, that lays down everything that divides, and we love for the sake of Jesus. Who do you need to talk to this week, today, right now? Who do you need to pursue? 
I have my list. Do you? And can we know that the gospel is powerful enough to make peace? And that Jesus is worth it. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you made peace with this sinner. Thank you that you made peace with these brothers and sisters too. And God, I pray if there's anyone in this room that needs to be, um, needs to find peace in you, that, oh God, they would stop running. They would lay down their rights. They would lay down their uh, arguments. And they would just receive your love. That they would receive your acceptance and delight in them because of the work of Jesus. That they would see that all of their anger and pride and has been atoned for, paid for, by the one that they've directed that anger to. And, oh God, I pray for downtown church. Would you make us a genuine community Oh, God, convict us of just tolerating one another, of just rubbing elbows with one another. Oh, God, I pray that we would live embracing one another, that our tables would change, that, that our friendships would radically change. Oh, God, that, that every aspect of our lives would change because we are yours and this is the mission. Oh, God, help us. We need you. Send your spirit. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.